John chapter 16, verse 7. But in fact, words of Jesus. By the way, let me just give you this. Words of Jesus. He's in the upper room. He's at the Last Supper. This is John 13, 14, 15, 16. He is teaching his disciples his very last sermon before he would go to the cross. This is Thursday night, what we call Holy Thursday of the Holy Week. Tonight, Judas will betray him. Tonight, he will be arrested. Tonight, Peter will deny him. This is, this is all happening on that Thursday night right before Good Friday. He'll be crucified the next morning. Uh, excuse me, the next afternoon, right at noon. And so this is a very key moment. He's been teaching his disciples about using his name in prayer. He's been talking about abiding. He's been talking about uh, he's the, the vine, we are the branches. He's been uh, talking about the Holy Spirit. He's been warning of uh, future persecution. Get ready, you're going to be persecuted for faith. So this is all happening. Uh, really some of the most powerful, power-packed chapters that you need in your heart, John 13 through 17. But here in verse uh, chapter 16, verse 7, he says, it's best for you that I go away. It's best for you that I die, that I rise from the dead, that I go to heaven. Here's why. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. The world's sin, here's what he's going to convict us of. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in you excuse me, believe in me. So he's going to convict us of that. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Now I'm just going to give you a quick teaching point here, verse 10. I'm going to get into this in depth in August when I do a series on grace. But this is why Jesus says this. He goes, I'm going to convict you of righteousness because I go away. In In the Old Testament, the priest had to provide sacrifices every year. So you were only forgiven for the year, and then the priest had to do another sacrifice and another sacrifice. Jesus is saying, I'm going to die, and I'm going to go away, and you will see me no more. In other words, this is not me leaving you. This is me declaring my victory. I will not come back and have to die on the cross again and again and again. How many are grateful? Jesus said, it's finished. Oh, come on, it's finished. So... Jesus goes, of right, in other words, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you that you're righteous. He's going to convince you that you don't need a sacrifice over and over and over again, but that what Jesus did is enough. And he's going to convict you that judgment will come because the ruler of this world has been judged. What is he going to convict us of? He's going to remind us, convince us, convict us that Satan has been defeated. Romans 16 says, that the God of peace will crush Satan underneath our feet. He is under your feet. He has been defeated. Don't be afraid of the devil. Don't, don't live in fear of... He has been defeated. He was defeated on the cross. The book of Colossians says that God made a public uh, spectacle of him on the cross. He just, he just put him to shame on the cross, defeated him on the cross. And the Holy Spirit's going to remind you, you're righteous because of Christ. The Holy Spirit's going to remind you, Satan's been defeated. And the Holy Spirit's going to remind you, here's our focus, verse 9, to believe in him. He says, he says, here's our sin. Our sin is that we refuse to believe in Jesus. A lot of you think you have a lot of problems. All of the problems you're dealing with are fruit. The root is you don't believe in God. Not, I'm not saying 
you don't believe at all. That's why you're here. I'm not saying you need to believe in him more. I'm saying the work of the Holy Spirit is just believe in Jesus. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I want to preach from this subject. I'm convinced. I'm, I'm convinced. Look at your neighbor and be convincing. Tell him, I'm convinced. I'm, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Father, speak now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I prayed for the Phoenix Suns at the 10, and no one, there was no faith. I said Suns in four. I declared it. No one was excited about that. I was offended. And I vowed to no longer pray for sports teams on Sunday morning. But Suns in four. Okay, so growing up, growing up, I wasn't, I wasn't a spiritually alive person. Like, I didn't, I didn't understand the God thing. I was a church kid. But it, it, none of it connected with me. Um, I, I, I didn't dislike God. I wouldn't have called myself like an atheist or like I'm an unbeliever. I just didn't get it. I just didn't understand. I just didn't understand it. I didn't get it. Wasn't interested in it. So like I didn't like church. I didn't like the singing. Um, I, didn't, I didn't like kids' church growing up. I didn't like Sunday school. I was like, I was that kid, you know. And I'm, I don't mean like at five. I didn't like it at ten. You know what I mean? I just didn't like it. I didn't even like the snacks. You know, they were like the Walmart brand of Cheez-Its. Y'all know what I'm saying? I was like, can we just get the real thing? Come on, somebody. Dr. Thunder. No, there wasn't Dr. Thunder, but anybody know about Dr. You don't know the struggle till you've drank Dr. Thunder. <laughs> but I, I, didn't, I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like the hugs. We were a huggy church. Everybody's hugging. I just thought, can we shake a hand? Can we just, how about a bump? fist bumps weren't popular yet in the early 90s? So I, I didn't like church. I didn't get church. Uh, there was this thing that would happen um, in, in our church at the, at the last worship song. Our pastor would always get up and he would invite us to the garden of prayer. Yeah. And the garden of prayer just meant that the front of the church is open. You can come kneel. We called it the altar. You could come kneel at the front of the stage and have a moment of prayer. My parents would go down every Sunday to the Garden of Prayer. And they would always walk back to their seats. And my mom had been crying like crazy. My dad was all choked up. And, and that confused me. I thought, why are we crying? So I didn't like, I didn't like that. I, one of the things that really frustrated me is that we served communion every Sunday. Every Sunday they would pass the bread and the juice down the aisles. And my parents wouldn't let me receive it yet because I wasn't a Christian. I mean, no, I was not a Christian, okay, as you could tell. So I, I wanted to eat. Now, again, I'm from New Mexico, and so this is not a lie. Our bread was actually cut up tortillas. I ain't even lying. Orale. When you are from New Mexico, everything comes with a flour tortilla. Everything. God's honest truth. Go to McDonald's today in New Mexico. You can get green chili on your Big Mac. Any New Mexicans in here? Yes, 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 yes. I see you, I see you, I see you. So, so this is real. So communion was cut up tortillas. Well, all I wanted was a little mid-service snack. My mom wouldn't let me have it. So I didn't, I just didn't get church. I didn't get God. It just didn't connect with me until it did. And I was in this service, June 10, 1998. I was a teenage kid. And the preacher was preaching, and I can't tell you much of what he said. I can't remember any of his points. I could not give you his text. 
But all I remember is at the end of the sermon, I was convicted. I was convinced. My heart began to turn in a moment. And all I remember is I ended up at the front of the building giving my life to Christ. And I knew in that moment that God was real. I knew in that moment that eternity was long. I knew in that moment that I could not save myself. I knew in that moment that Jesus was the only way I had to place my... And I was convicted of my sin. I knew I was far from God. I knew I, knew I was not right. I was convicted. And Jesus says that the Spirit of God is going to come and he's going to convict you, convince you to believe on him. And if you, by the way, have not had that moment, if your salvation experience or what you call your salvation experience was not accompanied by conviction, I want to submit to you that you have not been saved yet. Because it is the convicting work of the Holy Spirit that turns your heart to God. You don't, you don't come to church and go, you know, I've been trying to be a better person. I think I'm going to be a little more spiritual. I think I'm going to try to be religious. I've been trying to be a better husband. Yeah, I'll pray the prayer. That's not how you get saved. You get saved when you stand before Almighty God and go, I cannot do this. I'm not good enough. I can't pray enough. I can't change enough. I can't turn my own heart over. But something by the Holy Spirit, by the work of the Spirit is telling me I am in desperate need of a Savior. And when you get to that point, salvation is possible. It, it takes the convicting if you don't like that word convicting, convincing work of the Holy Spirit. June 10, 1998, that happened for me. October 1999, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. I was in a prayer meeting. We were praying. No one prayed for me. No one told me what to say. No one told me how to experience it. I was just walking. And as I began to walk, it was like fire came on me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. It was like the electricity of the Holy Spirit. Every goosebump had a goosebump. Come on. I began to cry, and just out of my spirit, I began to speak in a language that I did not understand, that I was not taught. The Bible calls it speaking in tongues. Some of these people over here have done it. <laughs> Some of these people are like, God, is this going to happen? It is. Bring out the rattlesnakes. Let's, no, just kidding. So, No snakes, no snakes. But I do speak in tongues. I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. I began to speak in an unintelligible language that was not taught to me by man, but came literally out of my spirit. And I began to pray in tongues. And it was then that things really turned for me. I went from like knowing I needed Jesus, that was my salvation, to loving Jesus. I fell in love with God. I fell in love with the Bible. I fell in love with church. I even liked hugging people. Hey, sister. You know, I just loved everybody. I was hugging everybody. I was hugging Sister Maria and Pablo and everybody else in the church. I just, I just, I, I loved the saints. I loved church. That garden of prayer that I used to laugh at when I was a kid, now, now I, it was me. Little 16-year-old Jabin going up to the garden of prayer for ministry. I fell in love with God. I fell in love with worship. I, I, I knew I wanted to be in ministry. It happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. The, but the Spirit of God did something in me. The Holy Spirit changed my life. The Holy Spirit turned my heart. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He convince, convicts us. He convinces us to place our faith not in us, 
Not in things, but in Jesus. See, here's what 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You can't even get saved. You can't even call on the name of the Lord without the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why we pray our guts out for our services. That's why we worship. Worship is not karaoke before the sermon. The music is not the moment to let the Christians have a little time to sing in front of their relatives. We are asking God to meet us so when the preaching goes forth, the Spirit of God hits you and you can cry, Jesus is Lord. What you could not do 20 minutes ago, you can do now because the presence of the Lord is in this place and he can turn your heart. But, but now that's conviction. Don't get it mixed up with condemnation. Romans 8.1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Condemnation simply means a guilty sentence. God does not call you guilty for your sin. Once you've given your life to Christ, there is no longer a guilty sentence against you. God will convict you, but not condemn you. Conviction is from God. Receive it. Condemnation is from Satan. Reject it. Conviction leads you to repentance. Condemnation drives you to despair. Conviction inspires you to keep going. Condemnation tells you to quit. Have you, have you ever woke up on a Sunday and thought, I shouldn't even go to church. I don't even, it's helpless. I don't even, that's condemnation. I don't know if you've ever been sitting in a service and gone, this is for everybody else, not for me. That's condemnation. That's the voice of the accuser lying to you. Conviction says God will help you. Condemnation says there's no hope for you. Conviction shows you the answer. Condemnation only shows you the problem. Conviction helps you to change. Condemnation says you'll never change. Conviction is all about Jesus. Condemnation is all about you. Conviction leads you back to God. Condemnation separates you from God. When we talk about the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it is not condemnation. It is not fear. It is not shame. Leave that up for a couple of people. I see phones everywhere, so just take your picture. But we'll post it on Instagram too, so relax. If y'all gonna post all these blurry photos on, just let us give you the graphic, okay? But isn't that funny? Can't even read it; it's all blurry. But you're like, "This was fire." We get, we don't know what you said. So we'll post. Somebody, Ali, post it. Somebody post it. Okay. So the point, the, the point. Y'all know I'm telling the truth, though. So the point is. Conviction is leading you to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, watch me. Verse 9, go, if we can go back to it. The Holy Spirit is convicting you to believe on Jesus. Your sin is that you don't believe in him. In other words, when the Holy Spirit deals with you, he's not going to tell you, stop smoking, stop drinking, stop cussing. Stop gambling. Stop looking at that junk. Stop going to the strip club. Stop cheating. You need to be a better husband. You need to be a better wife. You need to be a better dad. You need to be a better. The Holy Spirit's going to go, you have a belief issue. And he's going to say, just look at Jesus. Stop trying. Stop trying. Start believing. See, condemnation is so general. Condemnation is give up. Conviction is so specific. Look up. Did y'all hear me? Condemnation is you got way too many issues. Just quit. 
Conviction is, look at the one who has no issues. Look at the one who paid the ultimate price. Place all your faith in him. Start believing. See, you don't have an issue because you don't have faith. You have faith. That's why you're here. The, the issue is you have misplaced faith. All right, let me show it to you. John 15, 26, Jesus said, I'll send the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and he will testify, he'll preach, he'll proclaim all about me. The Holy Spirit has a message. Here it is, Jesus. 1 John 5, 6, and it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth. Again, he testifies of the truth. He testifies of Christ. The Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit has one sermon, and that one sermon is believe on Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the greatest evangelist on the planet. He's greater than Billy Graham, Reinhard Bonnke, anybody else you could ever think of that's been a great preacher or is a great preacher, better than Greg Laurie, anybody else you could think of. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gospel preacher, and he preaches one message. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get your eyes off of you. Get your eyes off of all of this. Put your eyes on Christ. He has a testimony, and he testifies of one thing, and that one thing is Jesus and Jesus alone. Look at Jesus, and if you'll look at Jesus, you'll fall in love with Jesus. If you look at Jesus, you'll believe in Jesus. If you'll look at Jesus, you'll no longer settle for anything below Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says that the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. Watch this. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. As you behold, you're transformed. As you behold, you become. I'll just give you this for free. You are becoming whatever you behold. So you have to choose what you're beholding. Because you're, because you're going to become that. You just have to decide what you're going to behold. You, you don't have a lot of choice of what you're becoming. But you have total control over what you're beholding. So a lot of you are trying to become something without beholding something. I'm going to become a better person. I'm going to become a better person. I'm going to become a better person. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do something. You're not beholding Jesus. You haven't changed your focus. You haven't put your eyes on anything. And from this same image, I'm becoming into the image of Christ, one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Spirit of God says, look at Jesus. And as you behold Jesus, you start to be transformed into his image. I truly believe the reason most of us struggle is usually not because we don't believe, but because we have misplaced belief. We have faith. We just have it in a lot of things that aren't God. We have faith, but it's misplaced faith. And the Holy Spirit's call to the believer is not try harder. The Holy Spirit's call to the believer is believe better. A lot of you are trying and failing because you don't try, you believe. We are believers, not triers. God called us to be believers, not tryhards. 
not grinders. I'm going to grind this thing. I'm going to make this thing work. I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to go on Sunday and I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. It's going to happen today. No, you believe. You have, you have tried hard long enough and where's the fruit? There is none. It's time to believe better. Because trying hard is still all about you and what you can do. Believing better is all about Jesus placing your faith in him. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said something amazing that I think is so obvious that it's almost insulting, but it's not because we've all lived it. Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. Why does Jesus have to clarify? Why didn't he just say have faith? Because he knows that faith without God is futile. And a lot of you have faith, but you don't have faith in God. And you're wondering why it isn't working. And you find yourself in Psalm 115, where the Bible says that they have idols with eyes that cannot see, ears that cannot hear, mouths that cannot speak, hearts that cannot understand. And those who worship those idols are just like those idols because you are becoming whatever you worship. And the reason that you have no power is probably because you, your faith is not in anything that has power. So Psalm 115 goes on to say, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto your name be the glory. In other words, I got to get my faith in the living God. If I ever want to come alive to this, if I ever want faith that works, if I ever want real freedom, if I ever really want to see and hear and understand and speak, if I ever, then I need the Spirit of God to get my eyes off of all of this dead stuff and onto the living one, the resurrected one. Jesus Christ is his name. And I need faith in God. So Jesus has to clarify with us. Don't just have faith. Yeah, I'm just trying to be more religious. Yeah, I'm just trying to be a better person. Yeah, I've just been trying to come to church. It's been really good for me. I love that you're here. That just will never transform your soul. Totally good. I'm totally glad you're here. You do not need to believe to come to church here. You can come. But if you ever want this thing to like work, you got to place your faith in the only one who can change you. So the Holy Spirit's call is not have more faith. The Holy Spirit's call is not even to believe. The Holy Spirit's role is to help us believe on Jesus. This is why, by the way, you'll come to church and after an hour you'll leave and you're just fired up. And you're like, I'm in. I'm going all in. This is it. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better wife. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to break up with that person. I'm going to stop going to this thing. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to read the whole Bible tonight. I'm going to read it tonight. It's going to happen. I'm going on a fast. Throw away the food. 40 days. Water only. Watch. Right, and you, leave, and you leave Sunday that fired up. Then by Tuesday, you're like, what just happened? <laughs> it's Tuesday morning. You got a pizza, and you're like, how did, I thought I was fasting. I don't remember even buying this. I blacked out. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you why. Because for an hour, you started beholding 
and your faith grew. And you were like, I want to get closer to God. I feel this. And by Monday, you stopped beholding. And the problem is, for most Christians in America, they only behold on Sunday. And they never behold on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So instead of going from glory to glory, they go inspiration, condemnation, rededication. Inspiration, condemnation, rededication. Inspiration, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Failure, condemnation. Oh, God, I promise I'll never do that again. I promise I'm never going to. Rededication. And I call it the roller coaster of religion. And roller coasters are fun for a season. And then you get sick. I'll never forget going to Knott's Berry Farms with my wife back in the day before we had Goldie. And it was Knott's Berry Farms. There was nobody there. It was like a random, it was like a Monday at nine, you know, there's like nobody there. We got to go on every roller coaster, there were no lines. So we literally went on a roller coaster, we're like, let's just do it again. So we just went again. We're like, turn up, one more. By the third time, I was so sick. Listen to me. It's fun at first. And you're going to get sick. Were you there? Were you that? That was the... <laughs> Are, are you tired of the roller coaster of religion? Are you tired? Man, I'm here today. It's 4th of July. It's my Independence Day. Man, this is it. I'm getting free. <laughs> and then you're gone. And then you're back in September. You know, this is a fall. I'm going to fall in love with Jesus. This is it. <laughs> and then you're gone again. And then January, y'all going to be back. 2022. It's a new year. It's a new me. Best year spiritually. Get ready. Oh, but Easter, you're back. Jesus is back, I'm back. He rose, I'm rising. This is it. And then you're back. Are you tired of it? Are you tired of it? Listen, I'm not asking you to be some spiritual superstar. The call of God is not, is not this crazy growth. You go from whoever you are today to the apostle Paul. That's not the call. The call is, the call is glory to glory to glory. And you look back after a year and you go, I'm not that person. You look back after five years, you go, I'm not, I don't even recognize her. You look back after 10 years, I don't even recognize him. Who, who is that? And you didn't even know you were going from glory. Not because you were focused on becoming, but because you focused on beholding. And the call of the Holy Spirit is look at Jesus. And if you'll look at him, he'll change you. If you'll stare at him, he'll change you. If you'll worship him, he'll change you. That's why, like, I, it doesn't matter what I say on a Sunday. It, it all comes back to, hopefully, I said one thing that will get you in the Bible this week. Hopefully one thing that'll get you listening to some sermons this week. One thing that'll get you worshiping this week. Because as, as good as our preaching is at this church, and it's good, whether it's me or anybody else we have, we've got great preaching. You're always going to get a great sermon on Sunday. 
But what's going to transform you is what you behold tomorrow. Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. That's what's going to change you. All, All this is is a big shot in the arm. It's a big old cup of espresso. It's a big old trying to be inspirational and just try to get you to then do this. And the Spirit of God is going to call you not to be better. The Spirit of God's going to call you to Jesus. And Jesus will change you. And he will transform your faith. And he will take your faith off of you, place it on him. You, you have faith. Just misplace faith. And the Holy Spirit's only call is to redirect your faith to the only one who can do anything. To the only one who lives. To the only wise God. Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing in you right now. He's calling you to believe. Come on, come on up. He's calling you to believe. He's calling you to trust. He's calling you to place your faith on him, in him. So maybe you're in this room, you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you um, at one time were serving God, you, you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. This is your opportunity. This is the work of the Spirit. See, the, the Holy Spirit's convicting unbeliever and believer alike. To the unbeliever, he's saying, believe, for maybe the first time. To the believer, he's saying, believe. To the believer, he's saying, don't put your faith in works, put your faith in Christ. To the unbeliever, he's saying, don't put your faith in works, put your faith in Christ. Because the constant struggle of the human, the constant struggle of humanity, Christian, non-Christian alike, is that we start doing this thing trusting in ourselves instead of in Christ. This, this happened to the church in Galatia. Galatians, I'm going to preach on this in August. But this, this church in, in Galatia, they got saved, but then this Jewish group came in and said, okay, it's cool that you're trusting Jesus with salvation, but you still have to be circumcised. And the Gal- grown men who were Gentiles, they knew nothing about circumcision. Grown men who placed their faith in Christ started getting circumcisions. That's a bad day in church, I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) And the apostle Paul writes and he is angry. And he says, you think circumcision can save you? If circumcision could save you, Jesus wouldn't have died. If cutting your flesh could have saved you, Jesus would have never pierced his flesh. So Paul goes on to say, and Paul's angry at this point. It's an awkward day in church. He goes, if you think circumcision can save you, why don't you just go all the way and cut it all off? (laughs) Here's what he was saying. Don't place your faith in that. Don't place your faith in you. Place your faith in him. You don't have to shed your blood. He shed his blood. 
You don't have to pierce your flesh. His flesh was pierced on the cross. You don't have to humiliate yourself. He was humiliated on the cross. And even if you shed your blood, your blood ain't good enough anyway. But this is that constant call of humanity to want to go back to what we can do instead of trusting what Christ has done. Place your faith in him now.